0: Good morning. Hope you're all okay, surviving the fact that we seem to be lacking a lot of young blood. a huge miss, actually. Don't you think? I, I think they're a massive miss. Just this this sort of gaggle of young people. That, is that the right collective noun? Gaggle? Of I don't know. Uh, just it'll do anyway. And uh, it it occurred to me. Um, I'm not being serious here, not totally anyway. It occurred to me that Andy often wants me to preach when nobody's here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I got the Sunday after Easter, which is commonly known as Low Sunday, because historically in the Church of England, uh, less people are there than other times. But of course, bank holiday weekend. But hey, I don't mind. I'll do it whenever, whoever, whatever. Give me an opportunity to share from God's word, and I'm I'm in, in heaven, really. We've been going through John's Gospel, and uh, I, I want to be a little different this morning, and I, I, will, be, I will be dealing with the passage, don't, don't worry about that, but I want to draw particular things out of it, because there's a lot of repetition in this uh, uh, dialogue Jesus has with the disciples. He's, he's come towards the end of his, his life, he's about to be arrested, he knows this, the disciples don't really, and he's given them this teaching to help them be equipped for when he leaves, and that includes the promise that he will send another comforter, another advocate, another one just like himself, namely the Holy Spirit, who will help them when he's gone. And uh, just want to remind you of that because today is Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. It's the the day that traditionally the church celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, based on a, a Jewish festival before that. Let me read, first of all, our passage for today, and then I want to try to persuade you that you have lots of reasons to be joyful. Okay. It's John chapter 16, verse 16, and I'm reading through to the end of the chapter. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language but will tell you plainly about my Father in that day you will ask in my name i'm not saying that i will ask the father on your behalf no the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that i came from god i came from the father and entered the world now i am leaving the world and going back to the father then the disciple said now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? The time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I was there last Monday night. I was there. Oh, the joy that was expressed by the masses at St. James's Park. In fact, I've never known such joy over a nil nil draw in my life. As Newcastle guaranteed at least fourth place in the Premiership and qualified for the Champions League. Oh. Now, you've got to understand, I was taken to my first match in 1965 by my Uncle John and have been hooked ever since. Just amazing. Joy! What's interesting is, had the result gone the other way, everybody would have left that ground with a sense of tension because it would have gone to the last match of the season, which is today. We are so easily affected by the things that are around us, by trivial things, and even as a quite passionate Newcastle fan, though I have to say I don't get particularly... I'm not an excitable person, really. But as a quite passionate Newcastle United fan, I I have to say it's a trivial matter. It's a trivial issue in comparison to the stuff of this world. But we are so easily affected by the things that happen around us. Or am I the only one? so easily swept up with an atmosphere of of joy or sadness or whatever. Jesus preparing the disciples. He knew he was about to be arrested. He knew he faced crucifixion. He knew he would soon return to his father. And in deep love for these disciples, he was teaching them and trying to prepare them for what would come next. As I already said, he promised he would send another. He promised he would send the Holy Spirit. And as we know, he, he did that. Jesus says soon they won't see him, and they're going to know grief. And they did know grief. We, we know that from, from the uh, gospel accounts of, of uh, the crucifixion, the devastation that the disciples felt, the, uh, the abandonment almost, and also the sense of personal failure as each fled. Though actually, in, in reality, John wasn't that far away, was he? We know because he was there at the foot of the cross with Mary yeah the grief was real the heartache was real this man they'd been with for three years this man who had been their life really they were about to witness the most agonizing of, of deaths the grief was massive but jesus also said don't don't worry your grief is going to turn to joy now you know your problem in mine is that we've already read the new testament so when we know we're coming towards say, Easter Sunday and Resurrection Day, we know the stories, most of us. And so we forget that for these disciples, although Jesus had taught them, they were, spiritually speaking, as thick as two planks at that stage. They, they couldn't really grasp it. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, he, oh, the wide eyedness at first, when he appeared to them, when he appeared to Thomas, Especially for Thomas, the two on the Emmaus Road I was preaching about a few weeks ago. Just that. And there was an explosion of joy that he was alive. But it goes further than that. Because the very one that Jesus promised who would come, the Holy Spirit did come, and the explosion of joy which they experienced because of Jesus' resurrection became an even greater explosion of joy when they realized, when the Spirit came, that the Spirit of this Jesus who had risen from the dead had now indwelt them and filled them and was equipping them, and nobody could ever take that joy away. That's what Jesus says. So how are you doing with your joy? Just want to point out, you know, nothing's changed. How's your joy? Now, most of you by now know me well enough, you know, that I I do have to remind people that I'm not miserable, that my face when it comes to rest looks like thunder sometimes, and it's not deliberate, it's just the way I'm made, I can't help it, jowling, you know, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. So, I'm not really asking how, my, how often you smile because that would be hypocritical. But I do smile. Sometimes I have to tell people I'm doing it, that's the only problem.
1: <laughs>
0: why should we, those of us who claim to be Christian people this morning, why should we have joy? Jesus gives a number of reasons, and I'm going to share them with you. Joy, because he lives. Are you excited yet? Joy, because he lives. The one who gave his life for you and me, the one who paid the price of sin, the one who left the throne room of heaven to come to us, rose from the dead. He really did, you know. Really. And that day, everything changed. And for the believer who keeps their focus in the right place, there need never be a fear of death. Oh, yeah, a bit of nervousness about the process. You know, as I've said before, I've, I've never done a kind of toboggan run, and I'm sure if I was at the top of the toboggan run, I'd be terrified. On the other hand, if you could guarantee me I'd get safe to the bottom, I wouldn't half enjoy the ride. Yeah, the process, but death has no sting for those who are in Christ. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Because he lives. Okay, we'll keep going. (laughs) Jesus gives us another reason. He tells his disciples, you'll have joy because you can ask. You can ask the Father anything. Nothing's barred, nothing's banned. You can ask him anything. Now I know, you know, I haven't got time to do a whole sermon on prayer and, and the, the, the caveats of praying in accordance with God's will. There's lots of stuff about prayer we don't understand, but the fundamental truth is this. God wants us, and Jesus died so that we can, God wants us to come to him in the name of Jesus, his son, to bring all our requests to him and all our hopes to him and all our joys to him and all our sadnesses to him, the whole of our lives to him, and to involve him in every aspect of who we are. That's what God wants. Great leading actually with praying for for three things this morning particularly, but prayer, 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 prayer. ask, isn't that good? I I can ask the creator of the universe who made everything out of nothing, Anything good reason for joy, yeah? I think so. Okay, so let me remind you what Paul discovered. This is what he said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, (coughs) present your requests to God. What happens then? Oh, Paul continues. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard (coughs) your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amazing. What a cause for joy. Uh, Third reason uh, we can have joy this morning is because we're loved. That's what Jesus says about the Father. He he loves us. He wants us to be a direct link with him. Do you know you're loved this morning? Touchy ground, really, because I know uh, different people have different family backgrounds and not all are happy ones. I I understand all that. But the difference... Ask any teacher, really. The difference of a child at school who knows that they're loved at home to one who's not sure is immense. I was blessed. Uh, I never doubted my parents loved me. I used to argue with my dad a lot, but um, they were strange people, parents. They always are, aren't they? Uh,
1: yeah.
0: I never doubted I was loved. Never crossed my mind. And my heart breaks for those who aren't sure of that. But whether your home life was fantastic or terrible, the Father in heaven who sent his son Jesus to die for you loves you with a passion and an intensity which exceeds every other kind of love. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm the exception. God couldn't love me. Well, I just want to say, don't argue with God. He actually knows. He knows all about you. He knows everything. And he loves you. Is that not a reason for joy? Okay. Jesus goes on to the disciples and says, another cause for joy is that we have peace with God. Remember that passage we're going to keep coming to it if you pretend your request to God and the peace of God Which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus the peace of God is an absolute for believers You are at, if, if your trust is in Jesus Christ. You are at one with him eternally Yeah, you, you may make mistakes and you may fail up and all that sort of stuff and there's lessons to learn But nothing is going to separate that bond nothing Nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. You know what nothing means? It means nothing. Nothing. We have peace with God. There's no, there's no barrier anymore. The hairs of our head are numbered. He cares about us. We're okay with him. we can have joy because Jesus has overcome. Now, that's fascinating. Through the cross, Jesus has overcome. Pontius yeah, of time, so I'll try not to elaborate. Try not to go too much off at a tangent. But when Jesus died on the cross, that which human beings had given to Satan, which is the authority God had given them, because when they, our first parents fell, They essentially gave to Satan the authority God had given them. When Jesus died on the cross, he took that authority from Satan and placed it back in our own hands. It's been won back. It's been won back. It means you and me, the weakest Christian at the weakest moment in their lives, has total authority over Satan. You know that? Ah, He still lies and he still blusters. But the weakest Christian at the weakest moment, the trouble is when we're weak, we forget. It doesn't affect the authority. Jesus has overcome. He's overcome death. He's overcome evil. He's overcome Satan. He's overcome the principalities and powers that would seek to govern this world. And eventually, when the time has run its course, He will be recognized as king of kings and lord of lords and every knee will bow before him. And all the mess, all the mess that Satan is trying to create uh, create will be put in its place. What a cause for joy that is. If you believe it. Now there's his robe, isn't it? There's the robe, Christian theology is great. As a kind of abstract concept. Do you believe it? That's what the Bible teaches. Hmm. Jesus, by derivation in the passage, also is saying, you can have joy in times of trouble, because you will have trouble, he says. Believe it or not, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to be tough being a Christian. It's going to be tough being a follower of Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples. Yeah, I've overcome you. You're going to have trouble. Joy in the middle of trouble. Now, oh, there's a tough one, isn't it? When life's hard, when there's stuff out there which is pressurizing us, family pressures which are pressurizing us, maybe illness, maybe grief, heartache, all sorts of real stuff that the world throws at us and life throws at us, in the middle of all that, Jesus says you can have joy. Hmm. That's getting a, a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Jesus had already told the disciples the world's, the world's going to hate them like it hated him joy? Do you remember the words of Jesus uh, in Matthew when he says, uh, uh, consider all joy when you are reviled and persecuted for my sake. Well, There's a joy, isn't it? Eh? You're being persecuted and Jesus says, just, just, just be thankful. <laughs> now, he's not, he's not saying, please understand this, Jesus never is saying that to be persecuted or anything like that is a good thing. What he's saying is in the middle of the bad things that which is your joy cannot be taken from you. just can't. Because it doesn't depend on all those things. And just as an aside, it's not in the passage, I just want to give you an extra one, throw it in. Uh, Joy because we're going to see him. Isn't that fantastic? Just fantastic. We're going to see him. Those disciples had an idea of what they were going to see. They were going to get a surprise, actually, because the the ascent to glorify Jesus was a bit different. But they had an idea. They'd walked with him. They'd been with him. Uh, We, too, are with Jesus, but haven't seen him physically. But we're going to. Does that not excite you? Does that not bring joy? So I want to finish briefly. By asking how all this can be practically experienced, yes, you, you can grasp the theological significance of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how can the believer really know joy practically each day? And I want to give you three particular thoughts, which I believe are biblical. Biblical. Don't derive straight from this passage, though. By derivation, they do and i believe these three things are the key to experiential joy for the believer the first thing is ever so simple it has to start with repentance and faith you can't know the joy of god unless you put your trust in jesus not possible repentance is the the missing ingredient sadly in in much Christian teaching these days where we tell people how loved they are, how blessed they are, and God really, really, really thinks you're wonderful, and all that sort of stuff. And yes, God thinks you're so wonderful that he doesn't want you to keep going your own way into oblivion and destruction. He wants to rescue you, and the only way you can do that is when you turn from your own sin, when you turn from walking your own way and turn to choose God's way. That's repentance. And joy has to start there. But, but that repentance has to be matched with trust in Jesus. Being sorry for my sin is one thing. Recognizing that Jesus paid the price for it is something else. And in repentance and trust, joy begins. We used to sing, some of us, in our youth. Do you remember? You know what I'm gonna do? Here we go. Ah, if you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. Most of you are going, oh. And there's some people near the back going, hmm, I remember that, yes your sins he'll wash away your night he'll turn today your life he'll make it over anew. it begins there it begins there and the experience of that joy as we come in repentance and faith is applied to our lives through the fullness of the holy spirit this is pentecost sunday this is not a notional idea this is an experience and part of the sort of church traditions we come from makes us suspicious of experience, but God wants to bless you so much with his Holy Spirit that the sheer reality of his gurgling, I like that word, gurgling joy, is always there about to erupt within you. And that's personified in the Holy Spirit himself, who he gives to us. Okay. The second thing, key to joy is simply this. It's obedience. Okay, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, that's fantastic. I've repented of my sin, I'm trusting in him. Here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah God, uh, I know the Bible says that's the best way, but I want to do it this way. Yeah, God, uh, I know the, the Bible says that, uh, but I, I think probably this is okay as well, don't you think? And little by little, we get sucked into all the guns and garbage which would stifle the joy out of our lives. And obedience is a simple key. What's the Bible say? Do it! How are we supposed to live as Christians? Do it! And the amazing part is, the more we get it right, the more joyful we become. It's quite strange, that. Well, not very strange, really. Again, some of us used to sing, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah. I think I'm sharing these songs, you really just to let you know that what I'm teaching is not new. It's as old as the gospel itself. And the final thing, and I want to finish here, in terms of the practical application of joy to our lives, is focus. Because in, in the reading I gave you from Philippians, Paul goes on to say this from where I left off. Finally, brothers, whatever is true Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The battle for the mind is the biggest battle of the Christian life. It's the, the one Satan works overtime time to try to distract us. The whole, uh, I'm not getting into the ins and outs of it, but the whole stuff of, you know, what's going on with Philip Schofield and oh, all, and, and the love our media has of, of not just getting us to sort of plunge into the mess that's out there, but actually hint that it's even worse. And people become salacious. They became, become hooked on the negative and the evil, and they oh, yeah, of course, everybody's like that, really. Yeah. You ask the average, even Christian, about politicians, and most of them will say they can't think of one with integrity. That's because they don't look hard enough. There are plenty without. But where do you want to put your attention? Now, that's the, that's the key to joy. Sometimes we we focus on the wrong things, we focus on the problems, we focus on the desire for wealth and and, and riches. We we focus on the desire for acclaim, to be recognized, to be valued. We we focus on sexual desire and and much, much more. We focus on the passing and the empty and we lose sight of the joy we have in Jesus which can never be taken away because it's not based on those things, it's not rooted in those things, it's rooted in a God who loves us and will never ever forsake us. We each have choices to make, and as a grandchild of mine would say, choose joy. Is it as simple as that? Yes, it is. Choose joy. Choose to think on the positive. Is joy happiness? Well, yes and no. It's not always the heady sense of exhilaration, but nor is it buried so deep in the heart of a Christian that it's never, ever given expression. You know, I'm a joyful Christian. It's just not the same as happiness. If happiness relates to what happens, which somebody once told me, you know, happiness depends on what happens, joy doesn't. If happiness depends on what happens, let's get the focus right. I've done this before. We're going to do it again. Let's ask what has happened. If you're a believer this morning, let me tell you this. You are loved by the creator of the universe. That has happened and continues to happen. He sent his son who willingly came to pay the price of your sins so you wouldn't have to meet that price. That has happened. It's done. It's dusted. It's sealed. Okay? He rose from the dead, destroying the need to fear death. That has happened. He opened the way of salvation for you. That has happened. He has entered, if you're a believer, he has entered into your life by his Holy Spirit so that you will have eternal life. And that spirit is changing you by one degree to another into the likeness of Jesus. That's happening now. He has promised to walk every step with you through life and promised that nothing can separate you from his love and according to a little bit earlier in John his discourse he's gone back to heaven to get your room ready for when you go to be with him and you and I are destined to rule with him through all eternity so if happiness depends on what happens the issue really is where is our focus is it not where do we choose to put our attention on the passing real and hard though it may be, are on the eternal, the things that cannot change, and a love and a passion, which will never go away. I could go on. Hebrews, I'll read it from here. Hebrews 12, 1 and two says this. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let us fix our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god personal testimony before i'm hoping we do have didn't check with Paul before, had we? Yes, okay. Before we w- watch a little music video, which, which I like, if you don't like it again, tough, you know, it's it preacher's privilege. Um, first Personal me here. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was 18 years old. And since that day, I've known great sadnesses. I've known great failures. And I can honestly say... I've never known a day where I haven't encountered the joy of Jesus Christ. It's not just about thinking and doing, it's about receiving the Holy Spirit afresh every day into our lives, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, the spirit of Jesus. Oh, he's fantastic. Okay, enough for me. You've got to listen to this song, and then after that, uh, the, the sermon's over. Uh, believe it or not, the lady who's singing it has the wonderful name of Joy Gardner.
2: Sha